Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Hey, Nicole. How are things going there in Ohio? Things are good here. I, uh, so when we built the barn here in Ohio, I had four stalls, only two horses at the time, and I've added number four as of this week. <laughs> so yeah, things are expanding. She's only a lease though, so that's how I okay. justified it to myself and my husband. <laughs> but isn't that the life of a horse owner? You, know, it just, you just can't have one. I mean, because yeah. yeah, if you have one, you need two. And then when you have two, you're like, oh, why not three? Right. And then, like, four. what's number four at that point? <laughs> the feed bill, right? The feed yeah, bill. That's what we're talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So in this in this episode, we're going to talk about the broodmare. And this one always fascinated me because obviously my a lot of my research was focused in reproduction and then crossing over reproduction and nutrition. So this is almost like exactly what I did a lot of my research on when I was down at the University of Florida. But if we can open up with the listeners, because I always found it fascinating, the physiology of pregnancy. I mean, it, it, the, it's not just the miracle of life, but the maternal changes are insane. It's incredible. It is such an incredible transformation. So if we can talk a little bit about how that mare goes from supporting fetal growth 11-month gestation, to giving birth, now all of a sudden she's going to lactation. So I don't know if we could talk a little bit about like what's going on physiologically or nutritionally, because it is such a dramatic, dramatic change. Absolutely. I will let you take the physiology part because you will be (laughs) (laughs) much more eloquent there, but I'm happy Mm -hmm. to talk about the nutritional changes. And I think as time has gone on, we've actually realized just how simple of you we've taken to this really big fundamental shifts that happen. For a long time, we thought, well, you know, the majority of your fetal growth doesn't happen till the last trimester. We don't need to do anything different. And we certainly realized that some of the ways that we used to feed mares just based on when those major nutrient shifts happen actually weren't the best idea and in fact increased risk of DOD. So I think we're going to do a whole DOD podcast, Developmental Orthopedic Disorders, Every Breeder's Worst Nightmare Mm -hmm, Phrase. mm -hmm. But I think kind of talking about how we've changed some of those notions over time would be a really good thing to chat about. Yeah, no, it is. It is, and I've and I've seen that. I've seen some of those, like especially when foals come out and and just have some abnormal leg stuff with them. So yeah, that's always concerning. But it's interesting because you're right during pregnancy in the mare. You know, we and we kind of do like humans trimesters. So the first trimester, not a lot of fetal growth. Second trimester, you start to see a lot of fetal growth, but it's really that third trimester where it just accelerates. And so our thinking always was you know, you've got to provide the, the proper nutrients to ensure that she has it circulating to feed that full, so the, to support fetal growth. But the other thing too, you know, we talk about is is body condition. We always wanted our mares to be a little bit heavier, 
after giving birth. So we actually did, when I was at Texas A&M, we actually did quite a lot of research in looking at body condition score and rebreeding and stuff like that. And I think the general consensus was body condition score of six to seven, which is a little bit heavy, you know, above average. Our thinking with breeding and, and supporting her during lactation is she's going to drop some weight after giving birth. We just, we always anticipated that. And I don't know if you can talk about maybe leading up to parturition, then we can kind of talk about how her body changes there. But, you know, we were always trying to fatten her up a little bit if we can safely and then support that growing full. So what is, what nutrients are, are, I guess, are changing as she leads up to late pregnancy? Yeah. So, you know, your energy requirements really don't start to ramp up until about the fifth month of gestation, because that's when you have a lot of that placental tissue growth. And then as you get into that last trimester, you see these big increases. So energy will increase around 25, 30% protein requirements increase by up to 40%. You have increases in calcium, phosphorus, some of your trace minerals like copper, especially. But that's all to support that really rapid fetal growth. I think one thing that gets forgotten is that key developmental markers are hit way earlier. So, you know, hoof development, stifle development, all of that stuff happens so early. And one thing that can happen if we aren't feeding a fortified enough diet throughout is that that mare, when she gets to the point where there is that rapid growth, she may not be able to shuttle enough of those micronutrients to that foal to guarantee optimized fetal development. So she'll, of course, have a foal and it'll probably be relatively healthy, but you're setting yourself up for some long-term risk of those developmental orthopedic disorders. One really fascinating thing you see is oftentimes you're not seeing those in a first or a second foal, but sometimes in later foals, because what can happen is a lot of those micronutrients are stored in the liver and you're pulling that cup down lower and lower if you're never really providing her with an adequate level of nutrition full time to keep it full enough that she can shuttle those nutrients to that developing foal. So massive increase in nutrients particularly energy when we're talking about the end of gestation and kind of maintaining that body condition as she goes into lactation. But we can't forget about the importance of those trace nutrients and the fact that just putting her on a more fortified diet during those last couple months doesn't guarantee that that nutrient cup is full enough that that foal will get enough of those trace nutrients to support that optimized development. I think the discussion around body condition score of the gestating mare is starting to change. For a long time, we thought there was no such thing as a too fat mare. You're saying optimal was six to seven when we're thinking about rebreeding for that next cycle. And a lot of people will, they say, well, six to seven is good. Why not eight or nine? Right? It doesn't impact rebreeding rates. It doesn't impact dystocia. What's really fascinating, though, is there's some newer research that shows that an obese mare during gestation, no shock here, but her insulin sensitivity changes. So she becomes more insulin resistant because of that obesity. Fascinating is that that insulin resistance can be seen in the resulting foal, even if you change their diets 
as that foal has grown. So now you've basically pre-programmed their body to be less insulin sensitive. Insulin does all sorts of incredibly important things during development. And what they see is in the foals resulting from those obese mares, they have more insulin resistance and a higher risk of OCDs. So what we feed that mare during gestation in terms of both the amount we feed her if we have obesity, plus the composition of what we feed her. So more sugar and starch has been linked to that same process. Again, no surprise based on what we know from the mature adult regular horse. If we feed them high NSC, if we make them fat, we we increase the likelihood of insulin resistance. And that can increase your likelihood of developing an OCD and a growing foal, independent of what that foal is fed. That's uh, the the field of epigenetics. That is a deep conversation, but that is fascinating how what you feed her during pregnancy. Yeah, I mean, there. Oh, okay, that's a whole other discussion for another day. But that's fascinating. It is, and you know, traditionally, if we haven't really thought about it, we maybe haven't fed a growth specific feed throughout her pregnancy. So that's going to be higher in those trace nutrients higher in protein. They're oftentimes a little higher in energy than some other feeds, but you have to be careful that that energy is coming from fat and fiber instead of sugar and starch. So kind of those basics that we think about in feeding the mare, oh, we have that rapid growth during the end of our pregnancy, all that. That's just the starting point. And I look forward to what additional things we learn that can really optimize growth of that foal down the line because there's so much further this research can go. Oh yeah. No, that's fascinating stuff. So uh, let me ask you, what would you recommend feeding then leading up to parturition and how would you alter her diet? So we, we, we do a preg check. She's pregnant in the beginning, 11 months, you know, here we are in May. Now, what would you, when would you alter her diet and what would you feed her? So I'm going to take it one step further back. I'm actually going to start thinking about her diet from when I decide to breed her. So before I even take her for live cover, send her to the repro vet for artificial insemination, I'm thinking about her micronutrient status because while there's not a lot of research on this in horses, in other livestock species, there's a ton of research that says that their trace mineral status, for example, can affect conception rates. So if I'm going to spend all that money, I'm definitely going to want to optimize or increase the likelihood of that mare getting in full. But to answer your actual question, in terms of what I would feed during pregnancy, if I haven't already changed her to a feed formulated for a pregnant mare, I'm going to go ahead and do that as soon as I preg check her. And I really have two different directions I can go. And it's based on the energy needs of that horse. Because even though we just talked about how you know, late gestation, energy needs increase a bunch. We'll talk about lactation, those increase. Some broodmares are still easy keepers. So there are plenty of broodmares that I feed essential K throughout their pregnancy, even their lactation, because that along with good quality forage is all that they need to maintain their body condition. And feeding essential K, I can provide all the micronutrients that they need for gestation, lactation to support that growing fetus and then lactating foal. So I feed it at a little higher rate than I would your average performance horse. So if we're talking average size horse, I'd feed three pounds a day of essential K 
all through pregnancy because I want to make sure that nutrient cup is full, that when we get to that final rapid growth phase, that mare can shuttle all those nutrients to that developing fetus. Now, there are absolutely ones that are not going to maintain their body condition on essential K and forage alone. So for those ones, I look at growth. So that's formulated for your broodmare and your growing horse that need those essential nutrients plus additional calories. And the key here is those calories are low NSC. They're coming from fat and they're coming from fiber. So we avoid that additional risk that comes with those high sugar and starch diets. Oh yeah, it does make sense. It does make sense. Now, leading up to parturition and when she gives birth, it's the most fascinating thing I've seen. I've delivered, I don't know, a couple hundred foals in my career and watching nature take place. That mare gives birth. That foal is up quickly, hopefully nursing within the hour. And her body goes from supporting a pregnancy to now all of those reserves are, are switched over to lactation. You know, the hormones in her switched completely very quickly to where now she's producing milk and a lot of milk for a newborn foal. So I think, you know, this, this to me was the most challenging part of managing broodmares because I always thought they would go into negative energy balance, meaning it didn't matter how much we fed them, you know, safely, we couldn't keep weight on some horses. They just drop weight like crazy when they lactate. So how do we support them? And, and, I, and I do want to preface this too, I, I think, because there is such a rapid change and her nutrient requirements changed like that day she gives birth. I, I would tell owners, always be careful when you switch diets, always do it slowly, like over a couple of weeks, right? We've talked about that uh, previously, but what changes nutritionally from, hey, I'm pregnant at the very end to, <laughs> oh, here's a baby on my side, now nursing. Absolutely. So their requirements are like 50% above the horse at maintenance. So the requirements to support lactation are insane. If you think about it, I mean, they can produce two to 4% of their body weight in milk. So a 1200 pound mare can produce 24 to 48 pounds of milk per day. That is a dramatic draw on her body and able in order to be able to do that. So you bring up a great point about diet change. One of the benefits, A, knowing your mares. This is hard the first year you have them. But if you know she's an easy keeper versus a hard keeper, we're going to make some decisions about her diet before that foal hits the ground. So if we know she's a pretty easy keeper through most of her pregnancy, but lactation's hard on her, I'm going to recommend we switch over to the growth product before she foals so that we don't have to make that change after the foal hits the ground. Because there's so many other things happening that a diet change on top of that is just a lot of stress on our system. So if we can be proactive, that's what we'd like to do. And then we just increase the amount of growth she's getting once she begins lactation. Yep. So the actual nutrients that increase are kind of all the same ones we just talked about. So energy is going to increase quite a bit. Protein increases. We also have to provide all those trace nutrients through her milk. And there's some interesting research on like trace mineral requirement of NRC versus feeding above NRC. 
that actually comes through the milk for the early portion of that foal's development. So we need to think about providing all of those through her milk early. The biggest thing that's going to change, of course, is energy because it's just such an energy-driven process. But she's going to have increases in you know, micronutrients like our trace minerals, macronutrients like protein, all of those increase as she moves into lactation. So we make these changes and we want to support her through lactation. And and the goal of owning a broodmare or managing broodmares is you want her pregnant every single year. You know, full on her side, you're starting to rebreed her because, you know, that that's how we support ourselves. That's how we support our farm is producing foals, get those foals into training as weanlings, yearlings, and then sell them. So we, a broodmare, we want her pregnant every year. So here we, we've changed her diet to support her. I guess, what are the nutritional demands through lactation? But then we have her pregnant again. So do we, how, how do we alter that diet? Do we, <laughs> do we decrease it so we don't put too much? It just gets so tricky. It gets it, so tricky and it's so important though. It right? is really tricky, especially when you have that overlap. So the main thing to think about in early lactation is one, are we feeding at least the minimum recommended rate of our growth feed or our ration balancer to support all those micronutrients? We need those micronutrients in order to support the correct growth of that foal on her side. The other part is supplying enough energy so that she can produce enough milk so she can produce to her genetic potential. So if you think about kind of how those curves overlap, you're going to hit peak lactation roughly a month after foaling, and it stays pretty high until month two, even into month three. The interesting thing is the quality of her milk, so the nutrient density that peaks around four to six weeks. So if you think about her total nutrient needs for milk production, those are going to be the highest in the second month of lactation, and they're slowly going to start tailing off. Now she's going to continue to produce milk while that foal is on our side, but it becomes a smaller and smaller proportion of that foal's diet. And in the next podcast, we'll kind of talk about what we're doing there. But if you think about it, as her lactation demands are tailing off, she's now rebred. So we're into the beginning of her next pregnancy. At that point, we're really just focused on either a growth or a ration balancer that's going to maintain her at that, you know, six body condition. Maybe you push it towards seven close to foaling. You're going to not want to go above that. I will say that if she's thin going into her lactation, it's basically impossible to put weight on her. So that's a really tricky situation because their body's just going to put everything towards milk. So if she comes into it thin, we're going to support her to the best of our ability, but also know we're going to have to creep feed that full for sure because we simply can't put enough feed through a thin mare to support her body condition plus the needs of that foal. But to kind of the real basic question, what do I do with her diet? Basically, growth or essential K in amounts that support her micronutrient needs. So it may be that she needs to be on growth through early lactation. If she becomes an easier keeper as that tails off, I transition onto the essential K to support that pregnancy. But I think this really brings up that concept of keeping the nutrient cup full 
for that mayor who's going to produce full after full. Because think about it. You have these intense demands, both energy and micronutrients for that lactation. And then we're saying, oh, we're going to ignore you until the end of your pregnancy again. It's really hard to make sure that her body stores are, you know, completely filled up if we're basically taking half the year and just kind of throwing her out there and ignoring her micronutrient needs. Yeah, it's a fascinating, that's why I loved it. I loved working with broodmares and it just, not only, it was challenging, but it just was so fascinating. The, the, the dramatic changes and, you know, giving birth to these babies and then watching the babies grow, which we're going to talk about in the next podcast, you know, how to support foals. So it's just a fascinating part of the horse industry that, you know, hopefully people are just interested in learning if they don't own brood mares or if they do want to, if they have a mare and then they want to get her pregnant. I've seen this hobbyist where they just have, you know, oh, I wanted my mare and they, they send her off to a farm. She gets pregnant and they bring her home. So fascinating topic, Nicole. I, mean, I could talk all day. Like- <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. I guess the other part is if you are going to buy a young horse, so maybe you think you're going to buy a weanling, a yearling, a two-year-old, maybe a good thing to do is learn a little bit about the nutrition program that that breeding farm is using. Mm-hmm. Because as we're going to talk about in the next segment, you know, there's a lot of different things, unfortunately, that can go wrong in the growth of a foal. Not all of them show up when they hit the ground. Some of them don't become apparent until they start their performance careers. So that just even of an average owner who's just going to buy a couple horses through their lifetime, if you're going to buy young stock, especially if you're investing in them straight from the breeder or, you know, getting a custom foal, something like that, this would be a good area to research along with the bloodlines, the performance, all of those things that go into picking the right horse to match your needs for their future. Oh yeah. 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 So stay tuned for that. That's a good lead in for the, uh, the next episode next week. So we're going to talk about foals and DODs and all that stuff. So anyways, we'll leave it there, Nicole. I mean, if a fascinating, you know, nutrition and the research you brought up today. So thank you. And for our listeners, you know, thank you so much for sharing. We, we noticed it on social media and, and your comments. Thank you so much and stay tuned for next week. Thanks, Chris.